Hello and welcome to Impressions of America. I'm Simon and with me as always is Toby. Hi Toby. Hi Simon. Unfortunately Vaughn cannot make today's episode due to some other commitments at work. So with Vaughn away we've decided to dive back into the world of Richard Nixon, specifically Nixon on film. Uh, We have picked three films that will depict Richard Nixon at various points of his career and those are Nixon released 1995, Frost Nixon released 2008 and Elvis and Nixon released 2016. Um, yeah, so uh, Vaughn goes away for one episode and we immediately jump back on Richard Nixon. So um, we're pretty much playing to type, I think, Toby. Um, before we dive into Nixon on film, uh, just a quick catch up on the real life Richard Nixon. Richard Milhouse Nixon grew up uh, on a poor lemon farm in California. His parents were Quakers. Young Richard was a smart kid who became a lawyer after college and then joined the Navy during World War II. In 1946, at just 33 years old, he was selected to the House of Representatives, and just four years later, in 1950, he became a senator. Two years after that, he was on the ticket with Eisenhower and became vice president. He would lose to JFK in 1960 in the race for president, and two years later, he would lose to Pat Brown in the race to become California governor. But ever the fighter, Nixon would bounce back, and in 1968, he finally became president. He won re-election in a landslide in 1972 before leaving office two years later in 1974 due to the Watergate scandal. He was famous for his anti-communist stance, including the trial of alleged communist spy Alger Hiss in 1948. And yet he became the first US president to visit China and the USSR with his skill and experience on foreign policy being a famed area of expertise for Nixon. Despite this, his non-Watergate legacy is tied up in foreign policy with the Vietnam War and the Cambodia bombings. In later life, he became a friend and advisor to President Clinton shortly before Nixon's death in 1994. For much of his life in politics, he was framed as a cartoon monster, someone responsible for crimes both at home and abroad, and his lasting public image is one of a paranoid crook who was unable to get out of his own way. Yet there was a sadness about Nixon too. Henry Kissinger once said, the essence of Richard Nixon is loneliness. Nixon lost two brothers to tuberculosis and his early years were tough. Nixon's father was a combative bullying disciplinarian. His mother, a sweet-tempered but emotionally remote woman who withheld outward displays of affection. For those watching from afar, Nixon is a relentless cartoon bad guy making one bad decision after another and putting America's needs second to his own. When you study Richard Nixon a little closer, you get the sense he was a smart man with something something deeply lacking at his core. In an interview with Time magazine, Kissinger remarked, can you imagine what Nixon would have been like if somebody had loved him? He would have been a great man, a great, great man had somebody loved him. Nixon makes a perfect film character because he came along just as television and politics were first merging. He was involved in the first presidential TV debate. He used TV addresses to speak to America directly, including his resignation from office. And fictional versions of Nixon would hang around long after his death. Before we get into specific movies, I'd just like to touch briefly upon the the general impression of Nixon as seen in media. And Toby, question for you. Can you separate Nixon, the historical figure, from Nixon, the character we've seen in countless TV shows and films? I would say that, I would say I probably can. 
Um, you know, uh, I think that uh, my attachment to Nixon or my understanding of Richard Newhouse Nixon comes from like TV shows like mm-hmm. the Nixon Head and Futurama <laughs> and um, sort of other Nixon sort of caricatures, uh, Nixon caricatures think, yeah. coming from Hunter S. Thompson and and Ralph Steadman and other people like that. And um, and and if you had asked me this, you know, maybe a few years ago, I would say, no, I can't. I don't, I, I really don't know who uh, Nixon is. And, and uh, the, the TV caricatures of Nixon are, are what I have to, you know, to say what Nixon is, including actually um, the 1995 movie by Oliver Stone, um, uh, but I would say that having done this podcast, um, done a three-episode series on Richard Nixon, um, developing a, an interest in understanding of the, the American politics in the 1950s, 1960s, and 1970s, I would say that I, I, I can split Nixon from the popular depictions of Nixon mm-hmm. because um, I think that with the with the historical research that I've done on Nixon, what you get is, is, is Nixon well-drawn on a surface level. Mm-hmm. So like his achievements, like what he did, um, what he didn't do, um, and uh, in his relationships with other people, other presidents, uh, Lyndon Johnson, John F. Kennedy, um, you know, things like, you know, from the popular depictions, Nixon really hated Kennedy because of, you know Kennedy's Eastern establishment credentials, his attractiveness, um, things like that. And then, but then you know you you do some reading, and they were both friends when they came into Congress. Um, they were contemporaries. They, they both respected each other, and and you see that 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 there's a there's a difference between the popular and the historical accounts. But also, I think the popular accounts try to do um, a sort of psychology on Nixon, which can be found in, in some historical accounts. But for me, aren't necessarily the, the most important things um, about the man. Um, so I think I, I can really separate the, the popular depiction of Nixon, which in some ways is, is a little bit deeper, more psychological. And then mm-hmm. the historical depiction of Nixon, which is about what the man did in his time and uh, what the implications of that were. Yeah. I would say my, my thoughts on Nixon, the person versus Nixon, the fictional character are probably a bit mixed at this point, quite, quite foggy. I think in my mind to, to think, am I sort of crystallizing that these ideas about Nixon because that's how it was sort of first imprinted on my mind, you know, seeing Futurama or seeing an episode of The Simpsons where he sort of pops up or um, so just seeing him around popular culture, seeing him in, you know, um, as, as this bad guy, both in in fictional creation and also um, some of the sort of historical viewings of him, which is um, sort of imprinted from, from a young age. And then... I guess, as you say, Toby, we've been diving into Nixon a fair bit since doing this podcast, and we we understand it a bit more. And I think what I, I I'm I'm probably at the point where I understand more about his character 
uh, and sort of parts of who he was and some of his achievements outside of the most most obvious things, you know, things like, you know, creating an environmental protection agency or the fact that he, you know, uh, was very, well, pretty close with uh, JFK and, you know, he wrote a very nice letter to Jackie Kennedy after JFK's assassination and th- this kind of thing. So I would say I would... I sort of have a, a better idea in my mind, but it's still very much shaped by a variety of different media. And so even the uh, Nixon 1995, for instance, I think that will probably shape a little bit of how I think about his relationship with his mother, for instance, or his relationship with the fact that he had two brothers who died of TB. And it's just some of the paranoia which came with Nixon um, especially as he went further and further into his career which again it's hard it's hard for me I guess to to fully separate the fictional character from the real life character and I think part of that is because he he he's kind of center point for kind of this main part of history that I'm interested in so this 20th century post-war America um, you know he, he was the, the first president to you know be involved in the TV debate you know he did the TV addresses he had Frost Nixon after his res- resignation and I, I guess for someone who thinks about that period in time a lot um, I, I guess I do still see his fictional representation almost sort of mirrored alongside the real life media um, which he was doing and yes, I, I guess it's kind of hard for me to to fully put that to one side, and um, just from things like The Simpsons and Futurama, I, I think I've got that a little bit embedded in my mind at all times whenever I think of Nixon, to be honest. Um, which is an interesting one because, as we'll discuss later, um, Nixon, in a way, was ill-suited to being in front of the camera and being uh, sort of having to be front and center the way he was, and yet he became a perfect test subject for it as a result of his, his character and the way he was. Um, so we'll probably just move on to the first film uh, now, which, uh, as I was saying, is um, Nixon from 1995. Um, it was directed by Oliver Stone and starring Anthony Hopkins as the former president. The cast includes a long list of famous names, including Joan Allen, Ed Harris, Bob Hoskins, David Hyde Pierce, Paul Sorvino, Mary Steinbergen, and uh, James Woods. The film was a, a three-hour epic, and it bombed at the box office, but it did better with critics, including Roger Ebert, who gave it four stars. Anthony Hopkins was nominated for Best Actor at the Academy Awards for his performance. Um, quite a lot to unpack with this film. I've certainly got my own thoughts, but Toby, do you want to go, go first on your, your thoughts on Nixon 1995? Um. Uh, Nixon nineteen ninety five, I think. Uh, given that it's three hours, I think it's a it's a good movie to unpack for people who know a lot about Nixon. Yes. So there's there's loads and loads of loads of information. It goes through. Um, it 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 really starts after Nixon been vice president, kind of like losing the nineteen sixty election. And then it takes you all the way to uh, his re- his re- resignation uh, after Watergate, and um, I would say for me, a lot of the information that is available uh, in this movie is is true. It's factual. 
um and it's also um and and it and it gives you uh, a really interesting overview of nixon's life between those that period between 1960 and um his resignation and it also gives you a interesting perspective on his formative experience as well but this movie is is i think is much more psychological mm-hmm. um and it and it comes from a perspective of Oliver Stone, who has a particular, least I I wouldn't call it strange. I would say that it's kind of he has a conspiratorial take on this period of American history. It's the same thing with his movie uh, JFK, where you know there's a there's a there's like in moments where Nixon is meeting with the businessman to talk about um jfk and to talk mm-hmm. about and then again when he's talking about robert robert kennedy there's a there's an insinuation by some of the, the figures in there that they've killed politicians before and they will <laughs> kill politicians again yeah it's like what if jfk just doesn't run in 64 yeah <laughs> yeah what if he doesn't run in 64? <laughs> like what what <laughs> You, yeah, you just, guys got a crystal ball or something. Yeah, you can like, just see Oliver Stone winking at the camera at that point. Yeah, and and Stone does come from you know he's he's a boomer, and he does come from a, a perspective that that sees. I mean, he he's done a series of um, documentaries actually on American history, and he has a particular perspective. And he comes from a perspective that says that the JFK was murdered in mm-hmm. an assassination by uh, whether it's um, the CIA linked with the. Uh, Cuban emigres mm-hmm. um, linked with, with big business in the mafia, and he, he, I mean, this is something that he does believe, um, and and he showed that in his uh, JFK movie, uh, at least insinuated that, and you get a lot of that here, and and um, and I and you get a lot of really good um, psychological stuff with, with Nixon because Nixon has conversations all over this movie, yes. uh, some with his wife, many to do with contemporary subjects, and then he'll think back like um you know there's a, there's a scene when nixon is with holderman talking about being able to get and become president in 1968 and he says well you know i had to crawl over to uh, holderman yeah nixon says you know i had to crawl over some bodies and um i think holderman says two bodies and then nixon says no it was four and what nixon is doing is he's he's thinking back to when one of his older brothers died mm-hmm which gave him the ability, financial ability to be able to go to law school. So again, like, and, and to be honest, like that, 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 that thing is, is how life is experienced. There's no historical, um, there's no historical record that can give you how Nixon felt or what he was thinking about or what neurons were going off in his head um when he had that uh interaction but that is how life is experienced because we do experience it in our heads and we we don't we're not just seeing you know what is in front of us and having a conversation in front of us we're also we're also using our memories to make links and things like that so i think i thought a lot of that stuff was really good it, it was it was uh really interesting um and 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 again like Oliver Stone is quite painterly in this movie. You know, there's a scene where Nixon goes off to the Lincoln Memorial again, a scene that, that did happen where he talks to young kids, sort of beatniks and hippies who are against uh, hippies who are against the 
Vietnam War and he has these conversations, interesting conversation with a young lady who's 19 um, about, you know, the beast of the, the, of the politics in general. And he can, and um, he has a conversation and, and, and he, and when he's leaving, we'll hold him and he agrees with her. But again, like as he goes towards the Lincoln Memorial, there's like a, of behind him is like a, a Vietnam uh, smoke cloud that mm-hmm. emerges uh, for, for one second. And then it goes away. And again, is you could, you're seeing um, into Nixon's mind, but also into the director's mind about how he's, he's not just trying to uh, give you a, a sort of a realistic archival biography of what things happened. He's, he's trying to sort of paint a picture of Nixon's mind and Nixon's own uh, impressions of a particular time there's there's a even at the republican convention where nixon um he's sort of before he puts his hands up to say hi to everyone he sort of looks and there's a and there's darkness behind him and he looks upset like he's thinking about something and then the camera goes on and then he looks happy and so it's just this this constant um thing where uh, during throughout this movie uh, which does set out well, I think, uh, Nixon's life, uh, his experiences, um, the events of that period, uh, the um, even even characters like uh, Nelson Rockefeller, you know, he, who, who he meets and discusses um, gold gold water and the elections with, and all, the, all all those characters are well drawn and accurate. Paul Savino as um, Kissinger, I think, is yes. just amazing. Agreed. Amazing, like just one of the great casting achievements uh, <laughs> anywhere it's, it's he's really really good and that voice and that yeah yeah and that, yeah it's perfect it's puff it's a perfect impression but it does a lot of that well but it's also but but it's experimental it's also an attempt for the director to give you a psychodrama about richard richard nixon and um and it's interesting but i think what it does it it, it in terms of the, the the whole depiction of the character, like the top level stuff, is it is it depicts a Nixon that is very very unsettled with himself, mm-hmm. um, that um, that looks I, th- I think looks weak um, around people like J. J. Edgar Hoover, uh, looks weak and and um, hyper self conscious mm-hmm. uh, around uh, the businessman. Um, obviously, his 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 uh, his his marriage and the power dynamics between him and Pat uh, Nixon are, are quite balanced in many ways, and he fears he fears uh, very much um, losing her. He obviously has the running throughout the movie and all through most of Nixon depictions this sense of uh, feelings of inferiority because of his background in comparison to the many sort of Washington, Yale and Harvard types that uh, dominated in, in, in that period. And, um, and so I think what you get in this movie is a really good historical story taking you from 1960 to uh, Watergate and to Nixon's res- resignation. Some fabulously well-drawn characters, Paul Savino, Kissinger, mm-hmm. uh, is 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 great here. Who who plays um, Holderman? Um, is is that not um, James Woods? Please? James Woods, he, who he was, he's he's insane, but he's always great in everything. <laughs> yes. He's one yes. of the fantastic actor. Great as great as Holderman, actually. There's some scenes 
some scenes. There's a scene when they they're talking about Kissinger, uh, Kissinger leaking to the press, and um, and they go into a room and Kissinger's in there, and um, Holderman starts saying some anti-Semitic things to to Kissinger, um, not not directly to Kissinger, but about other Jews, which mm-hmm. is quite upsetting and, and unsettling. And then he moves towards Nixon as Nixon's having a rant and they are finishing each other's sentences mm-hmm. and you get this this these two are so in sync you get a sense that they are they're two characters who are obviously independent of each other there's that scene where Nixon um says that he's going to use his charm in in 68 to get Pat on board and and Holden is like um yeah that's going to work <laughs> but but you but and they they're a, they're a team they're in in, in they're, and they're independent of each other, but they very much understand each other and they work um, together and they have the same beliefs. And um, and I think it, it does a really good job um, with a lot of these char- characters. I, I don't think there's a there's much to to dismiss or to um, criticize about a lot of the acting in this movie, which I think is, is fantastic. Um, yes, I'd, I'd agree. I enjoyed uh, Bob Hoskins as quite a... Uh, I don't know if it's a loose interpretation of Hoover, but it certainly was an entertaining interpretation. Oh yeah, of Hoover. yeah. yeah. And, and, but, uh, but again, I think the Hoover thing. I mean, I know Hoover was Hoover was like that. He, you know, he he was obviously closeted. Mm-hmm. But it's but I don't know. I, I that that scene with the young boy who worked in the kitchen. That like it was it was yes. like, it used homosexuality to to be so unsettling that it was. I was like ah, oh. but I but again it, it's it's part of the um. It's part of Oliver Stone's sort of use of, um, I think, strange and um, uh, I would say macabre scenes to unsettle the the viewer and to make you feel that you're you're seeing something more conspiratorial. Yes. Than than it than just a sort of biography of you know an interesting. And um, and to be honest, hyper self conscious character and and yeah and I, I and I think I what I would say is that I don't think that Nixon experienced you know all of these interactions in in the in the way that um, Oliver Stone depicts here because I think he makes Nixon seem a lot weaker of an individual than he was and I don't. And I obviously don't believe the the, the sort of the, the intricate web of conspiracy that mm-hmm. Stone is is depicting here, here as well. Um, but I but I do think it's a good movie. It, it does a lot of things really well. Um, it, yeah. So yeah, I, I I I think it's a good movie. It does a lot of things really well, but it's 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 too it's stylized in a way that that makes you doubt the the impression that he's giving of um yes of nixon himself and and some of the the characters um connected to nixon not all of them but some of them yeah i, th- I think it's almost like an impressionist painter you know if you were to absolutely if you were to take his work or her work you would consider it not fully accurate in the sense of like, you know, geometrically, it might not be exactly how a human looks or exactly how a plant pot looks, but you get the sense of feeling, the sense of something alive when you look at it. Mm -hmm. And you get that, I think, with Nixon 1995, 
Um, so I've got some notes here, but probably, probably the headline for me was it, it kind of felt like a kaleidosco- kaleidoscopic fever dream of a movie. Mm-hmm. Like it really, it was it's vast in scale and it's you know got which is great, what JFK is like as well. It, exactly, it's exactly like JFK. And you can if you've seen if you've seen either of them, um, it, it makes sense that the other one belong, belong they both belong to the same director. Um, it's it's you know he Stone uses voiceover and stock footage and montage and weird lighting and camera angles. I mean, he really does. He wants to kind of pull you into this paranoid man's life and make make you see, or make it seem like Nixon is. I mean, he, he is presented sometimes as kind of this wild and detached figure. And I think there was some criticism from the Nixon family who considered this portrayal as a not accurate and and be kind of harmful to to how Nixon actually was. I obviously can't say I wasn't sadly I was not in the room during any of Nixon's meetings uh, throughout his many many years in in uh, public office but you get a sense that this version of Nixon as he's being created by Hopkins and uh, and Oliver Stone is that this is a a true almost Shakespearean character who is part historical figure and part um you know fictional creation and there is enough sort of historical retelling and historical staging that it cements you enough in that world. So as you say, Toby, when he he's in Washington and he, he goes to to visit the you know the statues of the presidents and he's speaking with the uh, students and the protesters and you know they're wanting him to to pull out of Vietnam and he's going, well, it's not that easy. And they're like, well, you can make it that easy. You're the president unless you don't have, unless you don't have that power. And it's, it seems like that where we obviously don't know exactly how that that's told. And we don't know how Nixon was feeling. As you say, Toby, we don't know what neurons were being fired at the time, but the film does a good job in representing what that version of Nixon was feeling and how he was represented uh, during both that scene and in others. And, it continually flash back to his his brothers and his mother and his father and the, the relationship he had with the, the different members of his family. And you got a, a sense that this was someone who was really troubled. And I think someone who I was saying in the, the intro there on, on the real life Nixon, someone who had something missing at his core. And I, I got by the, the end of the film that this was someone who um, who was kind of broken apart by all the adventures and misadventures he'd had throughout his life, both in the early days and, and his complicated relationship with his family, and then losing in 60 and losing in 62. And in 62, you, you hear him, um, you know, giving the speech about, you know, you won't have Nixon to kick around anymore. And you, you get the sense that by that point, that's a man who, who had achieved so much at such a young age and was now flaming out and was headed for a quieter life. And then obviously the, the rest of the 60s plays out as it is. And Nixon has this fire within him to keep going. And, you know, he, he wins 68 and he wins 72 in a landslide. But through all that, this was a man who was kind of damaged before he went into office. And by the, t- you know, even by the time he starts as president in 68, I certainly got the feeling watching the film that this was someone who, it made sense what activities and what um, incidents happened later on. It didn't feel like someone who sort of fell apart on the job. It kind of felt like this was a natural progression for how his life had been going at that point. And so it did make sense that actually 
there would be cover-ups and there would be, you know, secret tapes and there would be, um, well, things like the Cambodia bombings and his his paranoia around uh, leaking uh, to um, someone within his, his circle, leaking to the press, and the the relationship he had with Kissinger, which um, the film depicts very fraught at times, and he, he's concerned that Kissinger is leaking information. And um, yeah, it, it's a it's a film which I think you said right, Toby. I think if you're if you're interested in this part of history and you're interested in Rich Nixon specifically, I think there's a lot to take out of this film. I can see why this film bombed at the box office, and I can see why people maybe wouldn't want to have a three hour um, you know, fever dream of Nixon as the film they go see on a Friday night. Um, but it is it is worth watching. It is interesting, if nothing else, to see how such a prominent filmmaker like Oliver Stone depicts Richard Nixon. And at times times he seems sympathetic to him. At times he's very neutral towards him and just kind of lays the, the facts out. And other times he goes full into, you know, Oliver Stone um, weird paranoia mode where, you know, people are winking about assassinating JFK and you're, you're going, Oliver, do you really need to do this? So it, it, it's a little bit of a mixed bag as far as historical accuracy and just representation of maybe some feelings and how, how things actually happened. But as a, as a sort of pulling you into the, the life of a version of Richard Nixon, I think it does a good job of doing that. And I think it, it's helped that you've got people like David Hyde Pierce as John Dean, who he does look like John Dean, the White House counsel who first spoke up against uh, Nixon at the uh, Congress um, on, on the Watergate cover-up. And you, as you say, Paul Sorvino, I think, is just absolutely fantastic casting as Henry Kissinger. I mean, the voice is just chilling how, how good it is. And the, you, <laughs> I you, love that you, scene with Mao. Where, yes. <laughs> uh, where they're talking about Mao's writings. And then Mao says, well... Uh, we want to know about you. And, and I was thinking, well, he wants to know about the great Metternichian theory or whatever. <laughs> and Mal says, and this is what, what happened, actually. How does such a fat guy get all the, the words? And he goes, power, power is a great aphrodisiac. And it's so specifically yes. Kissinger. Uh, yes, absolutely. And it's, and it's really, really good. It's a great, and one of the, also the great things about it is that this Kissinger, you know, I mean, I don't know, you know, uh, the impression that Kissinger has tried to give about his time in 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 the in the in the White in the White House, especially with with Nixon, but um, it does a really good job at showing that Kissinger times would flip between Nixon's mm. right and Kissinger's and Nixon's left. Sometimes Nick uh, Kissinger's the one agitating for. Yes. doing committing atrocities or you know like pushing further and then sometimes he isn't mm-hmm. and he's playing nixon quite well as well he's, he's he's pulling into nixon's like you know paranoia around elites and the ivy league and um the you know the, about nixon's feeling that he is a strong and brave man compared to other people he's 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 a i mean he's not He's not in it as much as uh, James Woods is, is Holderman, but anytime he's around, he's he's like uh, he's he's really pulling at, at Nixon's strings, and it's no, I think it's a, it's a fantastically well well drawn uh, well drawn character, really really yes. really, really, really I, good. I, agreed, and I think it 
it does set up this idea of when you're in office um there is sort of a, a small group of people who are making decisions and you, you get that sense when you look at something like the george w bush white house and the, you know the various people who were close to him making the decisions same with with um with the nixon white house you get the sense that you know you you've got two or three people in a room alongside nixon who are really either sort of feeding his own paranoia or trying to take him in different directions and you you get the sense of a, a boys club um that is um swimming alongside uh richard nixon and the sort of fringes off that with someone like the um the john dean character played by david high pierce who at times is kind of close with nixon and then by the end he's he's kind of like well you know we can't do this you know i've, I've got you know some sort of morals on me that says I, I can't be dragged into this further and that you know he's eventually the one who who speaks um it's an interesting choice to make this a, a three-hour film because I do think it drags a little bit in the sort of the, the final third. Um, but by the end of it, you do I think get a sense that it is a a dark web, both politically and just the man himself, as far as his own feelings is concerned. And it almost, I think the film almost almost makes it feel inevitable that something like uh, the Watergate scandal is going to happen because of everything that's come before it. And I guess maybe that was what Stone was going for. Um, no, I just... no, no, absolutely. And I think, I think Stone picking at that, you know, I mean, there's, there's probably some some truth to it. You know, mm-hmm. Nixon probably possessed something within himself um, where maybe he could not really solve his own um, demons, se- demons or self esteem problems, mm-hmm. and to sort of put yourself back together in some way so that despite some considerable success i think um mm-hmm. uh, he he was he he just had these these holes that needed feeding and 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 within you know the scale of this movie and, and within you know the trials that they go on gone this movie whether it's cambodia whether it's vietnam whether it's watergate you know the, the 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 man himself had these kinds of problems, so it does it, it makes the 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 tragedy feel inevitable, um, as you say. And but I, I would say that just that my last point on this is is one I, I would reiterate. I think when you're doing um, historical movies and tr- trying to depict these things, I mean documentaries will take archival footage, but they'll select right. Mm-hmm. And movies like this. Um, what they do really well when they attempt, attempt to do is to is to give you the give you the world as in the mm-hmm. background of the world that is accurate um to to have conversations that 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 are that are that are accurate to an extent but then are, are dramatized but this director oliver stone is very much an auteur in this mm-hmm. movie as in the, yes. the director's own sense of what nixon was is fed into this movie and it and as, as you say it is it is a sort of impressionistic depiction um, mm-hmm. of 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 uh, Nixon and um, and cannot really be well understood without diving into Oliver Stone himself. Agreed. I think that's an excellent point. I think this is very much Oliver Stone viewing Nixon rather than a 
you know, a sort of stand back viewpoint of the Richard Nixon presidency. And I think you have to remember that it's been viewed through that prism, you know, it is the Oliver Stone viewpoint of this. And it does feel very connected to the JFK film that he made earlier, as you said, Toby. Um, we should probably move on um, on to our next film, which is Frost Nixon, which is a 2008 historical drama and based on the play of the same name by Peter Morgan, uh, who also adapted the screenplay. Uh, the film tells the story uh, behind the Frost-Nixon interviews in 1977 after Richard Nixon has left office due to the Watergate scandal. The film was directed by Ron Howard and it reunites the two original stars from the West End and Broadway productions of the play, Michael Sheen as British television broadcaster David Frost and Frank Langella as former US President Richard Nixon. Despite critical claim, the film underperformed at the box office. Um, this is probably, I think I'd seen this film um, before, it, well, just, yeah, probably a few months after it came out in the cinemas. I think I watched, I think I got the DVD off it and I'd seen it a couple of times, um, sort of round about 2009, something like that. So it, it was a film that it's, it's I, I knew often I'd seen and I liked, and then I rewatched it again um, coming up to uh, here uh, for this podcast, which was interesting when uh, when we came up with this episode idea, I hadn't seen uh, Nixon 1995 before, so I was viewing that with a fresh pair of eyes, although I'd seen a fair amount of Oliver Stone's work, including JFK, but revisiting Frost Nixon, I kind of knew a lot of the beats, and um, I found it a, an interesting story. Um, it's well told, well directed. Uh, Michael Sheen is excellent as David Frost, and Frank Ligella gives a really interesting performance as Richard Nixon. I believe he was actually Oscar-nominated for his performance, um, Toby, what are your thoughts on the film? My thoughts on the film are Frost and Nixon. Frost <laughs> and Nixon. This I tell you, brother, you can't have one without the other. Try, try, try and separate them. It's an illusion. Uh, yeah, I mean, that try. Was beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, yeah, I'm a big fan of this. Uh, Big fan of this movie. Um, yeah, like you, I saw it a few years ago, and I thought it was it was great, it's great. Yeah, back when I used to watch all uh, all the movies, and you know, this one stood out to me as just really, really, really good, really top notch. Um, and I would say that um, Frank Langella's Nixon is very, actually, very, very different from. Yes. Um, the Nixon and Nixon 1995, uh, Frank Langella's Nixon, and um, and maybe this is because of Frank Langella himself, mm-hmm. you know, the great Frank Langella. The uh, he was the um, he he had a Dracula movie where he was the pimp Dracula, he was just so cool <laughs> <laughs> back in the 70s, it was just so cool, you know. There's a lot of Draculas, you know, that, that are sort of dour, yes. creepy figures. Frank Langella came through like, no. He was um, cool. Dracula. He's cool, Dracula. He was, he was, he was creeping on on women, right? But as this European, rich European lord, he would just like move in. It was like, oh yes, yes, another one, <laughs> another one, Frank. <laughs> you know, here, Frank Langella is cool. I mean, in, the Nixon, I think, is confident. He's um, self righteous. He's yeah. he, he, he He's knows. Funny. Yeah, funny. He, he he's witty. He's dismissive. He he he's 
and um and he's defiant yes. in many ways you know and he and he and he comes out that way and the, and the movie starts with nixon you know um actually you know nixon in the um in 1995 nixon went to uh hospital um but uh I, I think at the end of the movie or was supposed to go to hospital at the end of the movie um but in um the frost and nixon movie uh, he comes out of hospital and he's he's just already saying that you know like uh, he's happy um you know pe- people are offering him literary deals um worth millions and he's very happy that he's he's getting that um and uh he really starts this movie in a self-confident and i think distant way from um from from the audience and and from um frost himself who is a who is who's a little bit of a you know, I mean, he's a he's a journalist, but he's not seen as a journalist. Yeah, as a playboy, almost. He's, yeah. he's seen as a playboy. Uh, the people in Nixon um, cadre understand him to to be that way, and you know, he's a he's a Cambridge graduate, but he's not really seen as an intellectual or someone who can give you a tough interview. Um, he tried to make it in America, you know, won some awards yeah. on a show, but, you know, he wasn't really getting the ratings. And he's doing a, a show in Australia, um, a talk show uh, with the same format. And um, and he makes a joke, actually, to show how far he, away he is from, you know, a, a world of um, big and high drama. He's, he makes a joke. He said, well, you know, there was the... There was the burglary in, in, in Washington and then here in Australia, there was uh, some guys who stole some sausages. Um, <laughs> yes. They left in a, in a thin car. Oh, yes. Uh, <laughs> long, long, thin getaway long, car. Thin yeah. car yeah. And, 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 and so, yeah, it's, it shows you. And he's, he's, he's wearing a lot of makeup on his face as well. It's, it's, it's very 70s. Yeah, it's Italian very, loafers. Yeah, Italian loafers. It's very, yeah, like he's, he's very far away from the world of of Nixon, of Nixon in Washington. And the only insight you get actually in the very, very beginning that, 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 that Frost is a little bit more than this is that when he looks at uh, Nixon leaving and his, his most case leaving and he's going to the plane and he's, and he's resigning and it's, you know, the saddest moment of Nixon's life and, and all that. And Frost uh, recognizes that, wait, why is this playing at this time? Because if it, you know, if they played it a little bit um, at a different time, mm-hmm. then people in, in in Los Angeles would be able to watch it. And so you get a sense that Frost, despite him being, you know, a little bit of a, a bumpkin, a little bit of a sort of a, sort of reality TV yeah. uh, star, he he, is, he does have something about him. And then he approaches his producer quite early on in the movie and says that he's actually attempting to get an interview with Richard Nixon, which which you know stuns um, everyone who hears it, and his producer uh, replies to him, "Well, I mean, if you are getting this interview, isn't it going to be about trying to elicit a confession?" And and Foster's like, "Wait, I mean, it's it's just an interview. It's going to be really good um, for my ratings and for our ratings, and you know, potentially it's going to be bringing me back." And so both of them go to America. To try to get this interview and they and initially there's some pushback um from both the the nixon 
people and from studios who don't really want to uh, show this interview without having editorial control. Um, many people push back against Frost because they don't think Frost is capable of giving an interview. They prefer that Nixon went on CBS with Mike Wallace and actually had a sort of more gladiatorial event um, for someone like Nixon. Um, but eventually the two sides come together. They agree to have the interview and the Nixon side is much more confident. Um, Frost is a able to get together some, some um, political journalists to help him and support him, but they, they don't really like Frost. Uh, they don't think he has the credentials. They think he's just too much of a talk, talk show host. And then they, these two men come together in, I think, what, is, what has been um, described by many people as quite an interesting epilogue, really, in Nixon's um, political uh, and, and social career, because I think after this, he becomes a more sort of grandfatherly figure. Um, I think before this interview, he was thinking of maybe delusionally, you know, possibilities of a comeback, possibilities of controlling the narrative around um, his time in office, especially around Watergate. But after this interview, that that the prospect of that uh, uh, re really falls apart. But I think what this movie does uh, well, uh, that the last movie doesn't, is that it's, it's able to show uh, uh, multiple sides of, of, of Nixon. So you, you get the, the arrogant, uh, Nixon, who who is you know one of the smartest men of his time, you know a person who traded um, ideas and intuitions and and geopolitical strategy with uh, Henry Kissinger, who was one of the top Harvard you know professors of, of of his day, and and you know obviously was very successful with the rapprochement with, with China, with the Soviet Union, ending the Vietnam War on, on that level, and obviously he he triangulated on wage and price controls, the EPA, all, all of this stuff. And you get much more of a sense of that man here in this movie. Uh, plus also you get Nixon's own feelings of uh, inferiority by um, sort of elites who he doesn't feel ever saw him as, as part of them as well. But I think one thing that this movie doesn't do, which can will always be um, creative and um, based on the author's own intuitions, is really give you more of a psychological view of uh, of Nixon, like the nineteen ninety five movie did, where it's it it you know it, it went outside of time and and uh, edited together scenes from his past and put things together and put things together in non-linear non ways and, and had the, you know, the, the audience member try to figure out what everything really meant. In this movie, what you get is just what you see. And, it, and in, 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 in an attempt to try to elicit more about the character, the, what the movie does is, is it extends dialogue. So, you know, uh, characters, especially Nixon himself, will talk a little bit more and will try to uh, elaborate on points. Um, um, there's obviously that scene where Nixon calls Frost, and you know, and uh, yeah. Frost thinks it's the room service, but Nixon, you know, tries to just gives a, you know, his own feelings about how he feels about his life, and 
tries to you know develop some camaraderie with with frost you know trying to show that they have some sort of shared background you know men who pull themselves up by the bootstraps and you know came to this position and and it gives you an ability to see inside the character but it does it through dialogue that nixon had right which is very very different from the the uh 1995 movie but i but i think that um this movie i think this movie is really good i think it's it's very very good on the on the level of showing you that nixon was a character who who tried desperately with cameras to to create an impression of himself with his handlers you know from the checkers speech to nixon and kennedy in 1960 to the to the 1968 campaign to Nixon's presidency, you know, uh, you know, as with um, help from people who started Fox News to create an impression of himself, with the Southern strategy, with all these things, and Nixon very much is a telegenic. Uh, it really a te- was a telegenic president because he went out of his way to be one of the first media presidents. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so so much work is done with with uh, Jack Brennan, who's, who's played by by. Um, um, was it Bacon? Um, yeah, Kevin, Kevin Bacon. Bacon. He's played yeah. by Kevin Bacon. Uh, so much is, work is done off of the interview to make the interview into what they want it to be. And, and so much of that work was done by Richard Nixon and his handlers, by Holderman and, and, and other handlers um, when they were putting together interviews. I mean, you can even go back to the Checker speech where Nixon is talking to mm-hmm. Eisenhower before he's doing the speech. He's talking to other handlers before he's doing the speech. So much of Nixon is about this self-curation. It's, it's, it's legalistic in a way because it's about what's the right words, what's the right emphasis to make. Um, you know, should we talk more? Should we talk less? It's, 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 you know, it's create, how do you create this impression of Richard Nixon and how much does Richard Nixon care about the impression that he's putting out, which is obviously loads. And you do see that in this movie. And then you see it from the perspective of a journalist who's not thought of as a Mike Wallace character. He's not thought of as a great journalist, but he also knows that um, in order to, to, also be seen as credible by people in his circle and in the world that he has to create and get something from Richard Nixon that is more than he set out to do and it becomes this real struggle between them and I think it's really really I think it's a really great movie Um, it's a shorter movie and and it's and it it attempts something that is far less ambitious than Mm -hmm. the last movie but I think it is it's 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 a better movie than um 1995 but um but but again it's a it's a less ambitious movie so you know i i I wouldn't say that it was it's more important than than 1995 Mm -hmm. but um before what it does focused isn't it it's more more focused um but for what what it does yeah it's a really good movie i really really enjoyed it um yeah yeah. i'm the same it's a really enjoyable film ron howard is a safe pair of fans who can pull something like this together it's it's well acted there is um, a bit of a, a sort of a bit of sort of taking of history and changing it a little bit, just with regards to a, a little bit of the, the plotage and some of the characters and, and some of the the speech and or, or interview that is, is given 
some of it's uh, changed about about a bit in order to i assume kind of give the the, the impression they're wanting to but for the, the the general kind of impression of, of what you get from what nixon says i think is roughly accurate compared to, to the real interview um certainly the the, the major talking points and the if a president does it, it's not a legal kind of thing. And the, the talking about being being sorry uh, for for some of his his actions um, in the, the the last interview he gives. Um, I think you you get a impression that this is someone who is desperately trying to get back in on the action. And that he he talks the Nixon in this film is is talking about you know he wants to be you know he sells a fire in fire in him and he wants to. To get back in the action he wants to move back east that's a big thing for him he wants to be part of the life again and he, he sees this interview as a way of being able to almost bully this uh this person who's below him intellectually and he, he can use these interviews as a chance to to win back favor with the american public and uh be, become a, a figure of importance again and you know he obviously can't run for office but he can he can be in and around the world again uh, at the same time, there's also a kind of almost a pettiness to him as well with uh, the, the money. You know, a big thing about the film is Nixon will need a certain amount of money in order to to accept the, the film. And there's a funny line where um, the the character, his his agent, um, uh, Swifty Lazar, is like, I think I can get up to 600000 for, for this interview. And Nixon's like, do you think you can get six fifty? So Nixon's wanting to, to to kind of score points, but also actually he does care about the money as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a it's a it's another good cast, uh, as you said. Kevin Bacon's in there as Brennan. You've also got Sam Rockwell, uh, Matthew McFadden, Oliver Platt, Rebecca Hall, Toby Jones. It's a it's a a well cast film which makes you um care about the characters and their intentions you know you you do get a sense that the Brennan character does genuinely care for Nixon and the the image that will be created of him as a result of these interviews and whether or not you you agree with uh, or disagree with Brennan's politics and his viewpoints on Nixon you do get a sense that Kevin Bacon's character does care about how Richard Nixon is portrayed in those um in those interviews and Nixon himself comes across again as someone who has uh, a sadness about him. I think one of the defining images for me of the film is towards the end, uh, after he's kind of done his apology and he's a bit, kind of a bit stunned by by the the questions that came about from Frost towards the end of the, the final interview. And there's a close up of Nixon and he, he looks defeated and he looks a bit sad, and he looks like someone who who's kind of let the let life get away from him. And um, I think I think what you could say is this film does a good job of setting up some clear boundaries as to what what each person is wanting to get out of this. Specifically, Nixon wanting to come back into the political life, and David Frost wanting to make a name for himself. And uh, there's a, a part um, just when they're trying to get the, the money together and trying to make the interviews happen. Whereas producers like, you know, you're successful in the UK and you're successful in Australia. What, why are you, you kind of going through all this ordeal to try and get an interview with Nixon that apparently no one is, is going to be interested in? And he's like, well, you weren't there for, for, the, for the New York show. You don't know what it's like. You know, famous in America is a different kind of famous. And for, for David Frost, um, as he's seen in this film, this is a chance for him to become 
famous in America and to make a name for himself and to, to, to move beyond just being famous in the UK and famous in Australia. And I think it's, again, when, when we talk about Nixon, I think part of the reason Toby and I enjoyed this character, this sort of both the real life character and this fictional characters that come back with Nixon is because he's at the center point of, of media and how media represent characters and represent people on film and TV and you know, radio and print. And Nixon is at the center point of this new media, of television, of interviews in this way. And uh, he's someone, as you say, Toby, you know, he did the checker speech. He did the first TV debate. He, he kind of, the way that Trump would use Twitter to directly speak to Americans, Nixon would do that with, um, with uh, TV addresses from the White House. And he saw that as his chance to kind of get past the journalists and speak straight to the uh, American people. So even though there is a large part of the Nixon image, which is tied up with him being you know, flustered in the 1960 debate and is sweating, and they touch upon that in this film. At the same time, he was someone who really wanted to embrace modern media and use it as a, as a chance to, uh, to get his views across. And at the end of the film where, where Nixon and Frost are speaking for the last time, and Nixon says, well, he, he kind of questions why someone like him who doesn't enjoy going to parties and doesn't like being around people, why he chose a career where being liked and being around people was essential. You know, he had to go and win votes. He had to go shake hands. He had to go kiss babies, had to appear on TV and be on, being asked the hard questions. He, he saw himself as an intellectual, a, a man of study, and maybe he should have been the one who's doing, you know, the hard hitting questions and being the man who's asking a David Frost type character who's much more easy on camera and happy with the, the famous life. You know, maybe they should maybe they should have flipped roles and um, yeah, Nixon should have been the journalist, which is an interesting thought. Um, consider how considering how tied up the Nixon image is with being the subject rather than being the, the interviewer. Um yeah, it's it's remains a really interesting film. Um, there are, as I said, some quabbles with some parts of it, but I think if you were to go in and not know too much about the the Frost Nixon um, interviews, I think this would give you a, a fair estimate on on those characters and how things played out. And it's it remains a, an enjoyable film just to put on. It's it's a very easy watch. You know, Nixon, the 1995 movie, uh, Toby, as you were saying, it's much more sprawling. It's a three hour epic. You know, it, it pulls you into, into the darkness and moves you through weird conspiracy theories. Frost Nixon is much lighter on its feet for a lot of the time. It's much more sort of enjoyable as just a, a piece of cinema. And I think that reflects the, 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 the two directors who made this who made those those films you know ron howard is a bit more of a sort of mainstream director and mm-hmm. oliver stone is much more of his own auteur style um so yes uh, it's a uh, fascinating Th- those two films are, are fascinating viewpoints not only for nixon but also how the media frames nixon and how media frames um history at that time um Shall we move on to our final film then, Toby, which is, oh, yeah. which is Elvis and Nixon, which is a 2016 comedy drama directed uh, by Lisa Johnson and stars Michael Shannon as uh, singer Elvis Presley and Kevin Spacey as President Richard Nixon. And it focuses on uh, the, the meeting between the two men at the White House on uh, December 21st, 1970. 
again, the film was a box office disappointment. We are seeing a, a run of uh, <laughs> run of a theme here with poor Nixon not being a box office draw. Um, and it did a bit better uh, with critics, um, although um, it you know it by no means was a was a, a sort of a true success amongst the on the award circuits or anything like that. Um, this was the first time I'd seen the film. It sort of sort of been on my to watch list uh, just because I enjoy the actors and I in, in, enjoy this this period in time. And although I, I know the famous photo, um, I didn't know that much background uh, specifically on the um, the Elvis Presley side of things. Um, I was expecting it much more to be a sort of two hander of a film, and instead it was Nixon in a supporting role and him sort of using some of his his image and, and some of the sort of background of being an American president of that time to tell an Elvis Presley story and to tell what was happening with Elvis at that time and his his bid to uh, become an, an agent at large as he sees it. Um, Toby, what, what were your thoughts on the film? Um, I would say I, I enjoy this movie. Um, I would say that with these movies, we're uh, sort of cascading towards movies with, with who have less and less ambition. I think mm-hmm. this movie was like um, sort of like an after-school special type. Movie. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, there wasn't a lot, uh, a lot there in terms of it wasn't it wasn't that the, the screen wasn't that busy. People were taking things quite um, relaxed. It, it, it's a it's it's, it's a lower stakes a, as well. Wasn't there's it? no stakes. It's a kind yeah. of a comedy. Um, it's kind of like a TV episode, uh, to be honest. Um, uh, I think um, Michael Shannon is Elvis. <laughs> it's a little bit. It's North, you know. It's like Michael Shannon is Elvis. I mean. <laughs> I think he does a good job, though. I think, I think he's good. I, yeah. yeah. Um, no, he, he he's really he's really good uh, here. He's he. The one thing about this is that you know, like um, a lot of movies about celebrities are, are like big biographies, mm-hmm. you know, about their lives and stuff. But this what movie this movie does really well is like, what if Elvis was like walking around in an airport with one of his handlers. And then what if he went into like the the Bureau of Narcotics? Like, how would people react to mm-hmm. him? And I think it it does a really good because everyone's like, every, all the women like swooning. It's like they are. Oh my God! It's Elvis. Yes. Jesus. We and they're so overcome with just uh this is over so overstimulated by the fact that it's elvis and and i think you get that from this movie it's really it's really really i think it does that really really well despite actually not having so many narrative threads um it it does a really good job of showing how elvis would have interacted with people you know how elvis in an airport would be with elvis in impersonators you know who, <laughs> yes. who think they're they're you know who think he's just an elvis impersonator like them and elvis yes. says well that, that's that's kind of scary you know yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that stuff is um and that stuff is really cool and um you know nixon in the white house 
um, played here by Kevin Spacey, is I think he's good. I think it's a good depiction of Richard Nixon. This Nixon, obviously, this Nixon is a is is I think this is a I think it's an accurate depiction of of Nixon because it's mm-hmm. like it's like you know this depiction of Elvis is like Elvis walking into an airport on a random day. This depiction of Nixon is like Nixon. He's he's just working, right? Mm-hmm. And um and he's with some of his handlers, but he's the president. You know, like the a lot of the people who are used as entryways into the the character in this movie are at a different level from the people in previous movies. Mm-hmm. So in the nineteen ninety five movie, you're with Kissinger and yes. Holderman, or you know, like or Rockefeller, you know, or yep. the, or these these backroom businessmen who who some of them even think that wait. I've got more on Nixon than Nixon has on me. I'm, I'm bigger <laughs> than Nixon. Or are you, are you threatening me, Nixon, Mr. President? And Nixon's like, uh, the president doesn't have to. Yeah, doesn't have to threaten. The anyone. guys in the in these in this movie are just like interns and uh, roadies yeah. and 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 air hostesses and and bureau chiefs and things like that. There there are there are people experiencing. The president and experiencing Elvis at a completely different level, they can't narratively even Elvis himself like they can't narratively affect the lives or the the political um, situations that um, Nixon is going to go through. It's not going to change anything for Nixon. Uh, Nixon, the they eventually get Nixon to have a. A picture with Elvis. Nixon doesn't want to have a picture with Elvis. Nixon doesn't like Elvis. Uh, doesn't think too much of, about him. Is um, quite intrigued actually when he finds out that Elvis, Elvis hates hippies and people mm. like that, just like Nixon does. But Elvis is able to get an interview with Nixon because um, uh, because the handlers of Nixon tell. Nixon's daughters yes. that um, Elvis wants a picture with Nixon, and the Nixon's daughters force Elvis or force Nixon to actually have a picture uh, with with Elvis, and um, and you know, I I say so a lot. Not a lot of things happen, but in that, in that section where Nixon and Elvis are talking to each other, you you do get a sense of some of what these two men were about and sort of what what they cared about elvis basically expresses himself as a reactionary like i don't like the violence um the communists uh the hippies they're out and about right now and and that that was elvis's politics in real life and um and nixon nixon didn't know this uh he's intrigued by this um he's, he's elvis starts to get nixon on 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 side Nixon thought that this was just going to be a meeting that they had really quickly. Um, but when his uh, handlers come back in the, the room, he's like, wait, I'm not having that next meeting I'm having. I'm, I'm enjoying this conversation mm. that, I'm, that I'm having uh, with Elvis. And so a lot of the, the biases about each other, especially from Nixon's side, uh, start to thaw and start to wear away. And these two people uh begin really begin to 
to uh, understand each other, come to, come to some sort of uh, camaraderie. Um, and uh, Nixon even allows Elvis to, you know, become a an agent at large and uh, mm-hmm. to, to to take the picture and then to to get a badge and yeah, I mean it's a it's a really really fun uh, after school special. Um, <laughs> it does I don't think it does anything anything poorly, and I think it's a good movie. Yeah, I was. Um... When we were coming up with this episode, I, I thought I hadn't seen Elvis and Nixon, and I was expecting a bit more more Nixon. Um, but the reason I, I, I went for this film or I suggested this film is because it's interesting compared to two more serious films to take a slightly more modern film that is mm, kind of concerned about fame and concerned about historical figures and how... Um, we kind of represent them in, in a lighter sense when, and in particular, Nixon is not the focus of this movie and he is very much a secondary character to Elvis. And I think you take the film as being about Elvis with Nixon in it. And even with only a small amount of screen time, I think Kevin Spacey does a good job of, of representing sort of some key aspects of the Nixon character. So you get a sense that he's very smart and uh, very good at um, being able to understand what he wants and, uh, and adapt his feeling towards people, depending on how, how things turn out. He's someone who is clearly understanding of, of images and um, he's very keen to, to push forward uh, after the, the meeting does go ahead and he is meeting with, with, with Elvis. You know, he's very keen to make sure he does secure that photo um, so that he, he has that um, if required from a kind of um, needing the, the good press um, point of view of it. And it's someone who clearly is um, caring for his for his children. And you sort of see a, a light in his eyes when uh, his daughter's calling and he, he doesn't know why, but he's, he's excited to take the call. And then she's kind of berating him over the fact that she has to meet Nixon. And that's the thing that clinches the deal. But you do get a sense that although you've got the kind of the the lacking empathy and the kind of paranoia of, of Nixon, you also get a sense that he is devoted to his, his children as well. And um, I think it's an interesting turnaround, as you say, Toby, the, the, the actual conversation that he has with Elvis. Uh, Elvis sort of wins him over and uh, basically says that... Um, <laughs> the Beatles are bad and that um, young people are, are being uh, taken in by drug culture and by parts of this youth culture, which is really divisive and really dangerous. And by the end of it, Nixon is actually a fan of Elvis and of how the, the meeting went. And it's, it is a light comedy. It is something which is enjoyable for its 90 minute run, but it's not something that's probably going to stick with you in any great meaningful way. I don't think it gives you any particular insight into Nixon um, that uh, someone who didn't already know the, the kind of the character and, and the general story of Nixon, um, you know, they're not probably getting much new out of it. But I think as a a representation of, of fame and of how we view historical characters with a, a bit more uh, time, I think, you know, we're already at this point where uh, Nixon can be the a sort of secondary uh, comedy character in, in a film about Elvis and uh, they do a nice little thing where 
um, Elvis is trying to give a present to Nixon and um, there's kind of red tape around being able to hand a present, uh, a gun um, as a president, uh, as a present to the president in the, in the White House. And uh, Nixon's just like, oh, no, it, it's it's great, great that you're giving me this. And then he's like, and then Elvis is like, oh, well, this has gone much better than when I tried to give a, a present to uh, Spy Ragnew, the, the vice president. And um, he's like, oh, oh, no, yeah, we've been Spy Ragnew at the time. And he goes, oh, well, why was that? And he goes, well, he wouldn't accept it because um, you can't give gifts while he's in office. And then Nixon and his cohort sort of look at each other and realize, oh, yeah, okay, there is actually a sort of a, a legality thing there where we can't officially accept the present, present, the present at this time. And we'll have to sort of unofficially um, accept it at a later point. But it's just a nice little moment that there's maybe a, a point where Nixon's um, sort of professionalism around um, that kind of thing isn't maybe as, um, isn't as solid as it should be. And it's maybe kind of a, a wink to some of the discretions, uh, some of the disgraces that will come on later on where Nixon is um, uh, not exactly following the rules uh, when it comes to uh, the other uh, incidents that happened with, with Watergate and, and the cover-up and, and that kind of thing. So it's a light comedy. It uses Nixon as a, as a secondary character to this Elvis, um, this version of Elvis, which is um, enjoyable and uh, light on its feet for the most part. And is you do get the sense that this Elvis is sort of begging to be taken seriously and is maybe a little bit damaged in his own way, just as far as the, the bubble of, of reality around him. It's, he's been famous for so long. But I, I, I think it, it, it's funny the, the way that um, the characters who work around the president are just, well, a lot of them are just excited to meet Elvis and to, to have this character come into their lives, even though the fact they work in the White House for the president, that the idea of meeting Elvis is, is a big deal to them. And I think that's a, a nice counterpoint towards, uh, or compared to what will happen later on uh, to those characters, many of whom were... Um, caught up in the Watergate scandal. So I think it's it's interesting to have a, a lighter viewpoint of, of Nixon in modern media compared to the much heavier um, viewpoints, especially in uh, Nixon from 1995 and then to a certain degree in Frost-Nixon uh, from 2008. Um, so that's, that's our three films. Um, it's always interesting to revisit Nixon. Um, Toby, we've done a fair bit on Nixon at this point. Um, do you think we've still got more to, to go into or do we think the, the well is pretty dry at this point uh, as far as content around Richard Nixon is concerned? Well, I think that I think that there's, there's still stuff we could we could go into. Um, uh, I think it would it would probably be the odd episode we could go into mm -hmm. a particular speech. Or you know Nixon, a particular Nixon strategy, something like that. That we ha we we haven't. Um, we 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 were obviously going to eventually deal with this Frost Nixon thing. I think um, I think we had a really interesting conversation here, but we we still go into the Chaka speech, of course. Um, yes. Nixon, Nixon as an anti-communist, which we haven't really talked on that much. Uh, the Hiss case, uh, yes. his trial, which. Um, takes up so much um, psychological space in his mind in the 1995 movie, obviously. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and and actually is is in many ways, um, although it's 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 a self-contained event within itself. In many ways, 
it does have many of the themes that are, are overarching in, in Nixon's life. So yeah, we, we could go into some, some things like that, um, certainly in, in, in the future. And Nixon is always going to be a character. I mean, we're going to do a Kennedy series and Nixon's going to feature mm-hmm. I think, quite loudly and especially in the, the early um, episodes of that, of, that, of that series. And yep. yeah, yeah. Yes, there's there's always room for Nixon. Um, right. Well, this was again another really fun episode. Um, always good to to catch up on films you've not seen before. So, um, for me, Elvis and Nixon, I hadn't seen, and same for Nixon, nineteen ninety five, I hadn't seen before. So, that was just enjoyable uh, to delve into those two. Um, I think, as Toby says, we will always have something around Nixon, whether he be a main character or or simply a side character. Um, I think Nixon remains a really interesting figure in 20th century uh, politics and media. I consider him probably the most interesting president from a media standpoint in the 20th century with the Checker speech and with the 1960 debate, with his direct um, appeals to the, the American people from the White House, his resignation, and uh, then the interview with David Frost. I think you've got a real kind of broad um, idea of, of of how media, of both how he used media and how the media sort of used him. Um, and I think when you think of the early days of television and television, um, political television, I think Nixon is a, a fascinating um, study uh, of that. And I think what these films do is give us some idea of not only the the Richard Nixon, both in real life and as a fictional character, but also how we viewed Nixon at a given time and how we're starting to view Nixon um, with um, kind of more distance from it and whether there are kind of just almost set in stone characteristics of Nixon, both as a person and as a president now. And I think it'll be interesting to see if there's going to be a more if there's going to be more media on him in, in decades to come whether or not it's, it's going to be him as a sort of side character in um in a sort of you know a 1960s set you know superhero film or something like that or whether or not we are actually going to dig more into directly telling stories of richard nixon so i look forward to seeing if, if hollywood comes up with any more um stories either real or otherwise around richard nixon um, we will have another episode for you guys in the near future, and um, we might even bring Vaughn back with us if she um, is okay with that. We'll see how, see how she feels. Um, she uh, was tied up with other things today, but I'm sure she, she's absolutely gutted that she got to miss out on talking about Richard Nixon, her favourite president after all. Um, yep, another episode for the near future. Uh, until then, take care, and we'll see you then. Bye. Bye.